Hey guys, I'm Katie, and this is Chills, Thrills, and Kills podcast, and I'm here today with a special guest. Her name is Sam, and she's being a little microphone shy, but I'm going to make her talk. So introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sam. <laughs> okay. So. I ain't never done this before, so you got to just, you just pace it, pace it with me, okay? We got this. She's a little nervous. She's acting like everybody's watching us, but it's fine. It'll be fine. So today, we are going to talk about Julia Laguerre. Um, she was buried in Charleston in a tomb, and it's pretty infamous in that community, and Sam and I actually went and visited her tomb, so she's here to relive the experience with me. Are you excited? I just don't want to lose my breath. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so about an hour outside of Charleston, South Carolina, there's a small beach community called Edisto Island. This is home to a beautiful driftwood beach, a wildlife preserve, and a very interesting tomb. We actually visited the church and the graveyard, and the driftwood beach was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's called um, Botany Bay, so definitely recommend if you've never visited. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's great for pictures if you're into that kind of thing. So, yeah, visit it if you can. So, at the Presbyterian Church located on the islands, it's a small graveyard. As we walked through the graveyard in the thick, hot summer air, it seemed to cool down a little bit. There was a nice breeze, and another thing I noticed was that it was completely quiet. I decided to visit Edisto Island with my best friend during the trip to Charleston. Neither, neither of us had ever visited, despite being, oh my goodness, despite spending a lot of time in Charleston. So, we pull up... First of all, the, the church is completely empty, so it was super creepy, and it was, like, an older church, and then, like, an addition with, like, the classrooms and everything like that, and everything, yeah, and, like, this little bitty prayer chapel, which was just, like, sitting on its own, and everything was shut down because of COVID, there was no other people there, despite this being a very heavily trafficked area, because people visit this place a lot, there was nobody to be found anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that it started getting a little cooler while we were walking around. Did you notice? Yeah. Because, like, the day before, it was hot as fuck. Like, yeah, like it was super hot. <laughs> it was it started cooling down, but the more it cooled down, the more breath you would lose. And it would be harder to breathe. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. So, we began wandering around the graveyard and noticed that most of the tombstones were from the 1800s, and many of them marked the final resting place of several children. We walked past crushed tombstones, open mausoleums, and destroyed crypts. We crept under the damp moss hanging from a willow tree, and there it was. So, you want to talk about the... Um, the crypts that were all crushed and you could like see yeah, into the there ground. There was like three of them. Two of them were, well, I think all three of them were facing like parallel. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. to the fence. But if you like walk around, you could see the inside from where those bodies were like buried, like inside of the ground. Yeah. Was, it was completely was open. Like you could literally 
lay in there if you wanted to. And I think the only Not thing... we wouldn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing covering, like, the actual coffins was, like, a layer of dirt and a bunch of leaves. Yeah. Everything else was completely open and there were ants all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> like, all over the place. It was weird because you, like, walk up to them and they look like they're completely closed. But as soon as you walk around the back part, they were completely open. <laughs> yeah. Super, super creepy. And they were so old, you couldn't read, like, the tombstones on top of them. Everything was, like, gray and... Yeah, you could feel the bumps where the words were, yeah. but you couldn't, like, you read them Yeah, you could not decipher any... And that was true for a lot of the tombstones in that graveyard, like... A lot of them were really, really hard to read. We had or like to too far underground. Yeah, we had to really pay attention to some things, especially like the children's stones. A lot of them didn't even have like a birthday; it just had the date that they died and who their parents were. So it was really sad. But what we went there to see was, of course, a tomb marked J. B. Laguerre. Being the paranormal buff that I am, I knew exactly who this was, and we made our way over. So as we start walking over, the air started getting heavier and heavier with each step taken. Once we reached the tomb, we both found it a little difficult to breathe. So Sam was actually the one who mentioned this. I didn't want to be that weirdo that like experienced the symptoms that everybody did. (laughs) But as soon as we walked in, it was really, really hard to catch your breath. Like it was almost like... Like it was holding on to your lungs. Yeah. As soon as you walked through the doors to go inside to see her, the words on her tombstone, it was like, (sighs) okay. (coughs) Yeah, it was really hard. And it wasn't because it was hot, because it actually wasn't that hot in the graveyard or in the tomb. It was actually really cool in the tomb, which was another weird thing because it's like enclosed on three sides. And then there's just like a what, like a eight foot tall opening for a door. And it was like three foot wide, four foot wide, maybe. Yeah. So it was really strange that it was even cooler in there, but the whole time we were in there, we just, we couldn't catch our breath. And it started getting to the point where we had to walk outside to even breathe. Yeah, it looks like one of those grave sites that were like, uh, like she was in the wall, but as soon as you walk in, you can see like the crack stuff, so you automatically, but as soon as my foot stepped on it, whole other story. I was like, she's down there. It's it's down there. (laughs) So the tomb is a red, it's like a red brick color all around the outside. It's a pretty large structure that has no door. We entered the tomb and neither one of us could speak at first. On the ground below, three headstones. So there's like, not just her, but there were two other headstones there. But on the ground below the headstones, there was a bunch of, like, money and toys and jewelry and even, like, candy bars. So as soon as we <laughs> saw that, <laughs> Sam goes, what the fuck is this for? Because <laughs> there was food. Like, who puts food on a gravestone? Okay, I understand. They might eat it later. <laughs> so I knew the reason behind these trinkets. I wanted to save this because even then I knew I was going to make Sam record this with me. So <laughs> I'll get into that in a little bit. But as we were standing there, I removed a bracelet that I had on my wrist for over three years and added it to the pile of goodies. I have a picture of this that I will share so everybody can see it. So I stood there silently taking in small ragged breaths and looking for the evidence that others had taken photos of for the world to see. 
Having an interest in photography, I myself began to snap photos as well. And that's when I noticed them. So what did we notice? The damn scratch marks on the walls. <laughs> so there were indeed scratch marks all over the walls um, from the research I've seen. Some people debate whether this was from her or not, but you could tell they were pretty old because some of them had like green coloring in them from like the oxidation or whatever of the stone and just like moss and whatever. Um, maybe it was even mold because there was moisture in there and it was just like damp air. So it could have been mold. Good thing we didn't touch them. Yeah. No, you wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to, but it was just a little weird. Um, so anyway, after we noticed these scratch marks, I decided I would tell Sam the story. So I didn't tell her the story then, but I'm going to tell her the full story now so we can get a full reaction from her. Okay, so Julia Laguerre spent her summers visiting family and friends on Edisto Island at the Seabrook Plantation, which by the way, we could not find and I figured out why. The plantation that we were looking for when we went to the Driftwood Beach is three miles the other way. Oh, yes. So the, the opposite way that we yeah. went. So we passed it coming in. Mm. <laughs> so we're going to have to go back there. But there were like three, <laughs> there was like two other plantations that we passed by and it did, like, it just wasn't, wasn't yeah. it. So I seen pictures of them and we're just going to have to go back there and visit. But anyway. So Julia would spend her days walking on the beach, wandering around her family's island, and sitting beneath willow trees with her favorite books. The land was beautiful, the air was heavy with the smell of the ocean, and the wildlife that she came in contact with on a daily basis made Julia glad she decided to visit the island. This would change rather quickly. So out of nowhere, Julia began feeling ill. She was faint, nauseous, and even delirious. Nurses came to try to assist her husband as he tried to care for her. her. His name was John. A few days went by and Julia's condition only seemed to worsen. The family began to prepare for the worse. So John called Julia's parents, William and Elizabeth Seabrook, along with her siblings that were still alive, Robert, Joseph, Martha, and Carolina, to let them know that they needed to go say their goodbyes. By the time Julia's family arrived, she had already been pronounced dead from diphtheria, which is a serious infection caused by the strains of bacteria that make a poison that can lead to difficulty breathing, heart failure, paralysis, and even death. So she was super sick and she died. So Sad story. Breathe. Sad story, right? Well, she wasn't dead. So... She was paralyzed from her illness, and she was completely aware of everything that was going on around her. So she saw everybody who went to see her body. She heard everybody that talked to her. She recognized, like, their voices, so she knew that her family was in the room, but she couldn't move. She couldn't talk. And her, she had, like, paralysis. Right. And she was breathing so shallowly that it didn't register. Like, nobody could pick up her breaths or even her heartbeat. So... I imagine she spent her final hours swimming in her own mind, feeling completely helpless. After the family had their final visitation with her, her body was laid to rest in a tomb that was built for her. Legend has it that once her body was laid to rest, Julia woke up inside a coffin, which was placed inside a sealed tomb. 
She grabbed loose pieces of rock from the ground and began scraping at the walls and screaming for someone to let her out, but it was too late. So the scratches from the walls weren't from her fingernails because it was stone. Yeah, stone. But it was from pieces of stone that had like crumbled off of the walls and she was like scraping trying to get out at the door and the walls and apparently she just screamed and screamed and screamed until she couldn't scream anymore. So she of course was screaming for someone to let her out, but it was too late. The tomb was about three miles from the Seabrook mansion, and the graveyard had nobody looking after it at this time. A few days later, a cousin of Julia's decided to go and pay her a visit to pay her final respects. She had been accompanied by a member of the plantation staff because she was told that the stone door, which was sealed on the tomb, would be far too heavy for her to move alone. She reached the tomb to see that the heavy stone door was laying on the ground, covered in scratches. She was immediately hysterical. She entered the tomb to see the body of her cousin blue in the face. She had died of suffocation. Julia's cousin returned to the plantation, but not after assisting the plantation hand with placing the door back up. The remainder of Julia's family decided to have her body placed below the floor of the tomb the next day. When the entire family arrived at sunrise, they too noticed that the door was again laying on the ground. So when we went to visit, there was no door anywhere. Um, from previous, like, interactions with people online, because I did quite a bit of research on this, um, every time anybody else has went to visit them, um, there was a door, and it was propped against the front of the tomb, but when we went, there was nothing. There was nothing. Like, no remnants of a door, nothing. Mm-hmm. So, I got tired of taking it off. Yeah, that's what I figured. They got tired of trying to put it back, so they just hauled it off. So they broke through the stone floor of the tomb and laid Julia's body to rest before adding a new, adding new concrete to the floor, which is where her body is located today. So when you're visiting her, you're literally walking on her body, like yeah, and her tombstone, like where the block, or you can see where she's laying. It's just whenever you look down, there's like a spiderweb crack in one spot, and then that's it, like sinks down yeah. to the ground, which is just even creepier, but. <laughs> Over the years, the door would be closed on the tomb just for it to be found laying on the ground the next day. Eventually, the family decided to remove the door completely. Julia, whom's buried next to her husband and son, receives hundreds of visitors every year. These visitors have reported many strange events, strange events while paying their respects. Much like the experience my friend and I had, many report difficulty breathing, which has been said to be maybe Julia trying to make her visitors feel what she felt in her final hours. The air is always reported to be very heavy. Many visitors report a feeling of overwhelming dread. Many people leave leave small trinkets for Julia so that she will not follow him home, which is why I left my bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you left your bracelet. I got enough creepy girls in my house. (laughs) One visitor thought it would be funny to take a souvenir from Julia's tomb, and he quickly returned it after seeing Julia's blue face sitting in the back seat of of his car on the way home. Yeah, and he drove from New York all the way back to South Carolina to drop off what he took. Mm. Yeah, many have caught photos of orbs, various EVPs, and even shadows. Regardless of if the tomb of the, regardless of if the legend is true or not, there's definitely some strange energy in Julia's tomb. But you can visit her for yourself and let us know how you feel. I took several pictures of the tomb and the graveyard, which I will include on Instagram, Patreon, and our Facebook group. So have a 
look and send me any stories you have about visiting Julia. So we're just going to go through how our visit went from like start to finish, just in case anyone has any questions. So we were visiting Charleston for a birthday party. Um, we we're originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina. So it's about a three hour drive, two and a half, three yeah. hour drive for us. So I told Sam I would go with her if she took me to see this too. <laughs> So she took me, we got up pretty early in the morning. I think we were there by like 11. Yeah. It was an hour away from Charleston. So if you're local to that area and you're not familiar with where Edisto Island is, it's an hour away. Not quite an hour. I would say like 50 minutes. It's an hour out of summer. Yeah. So if you live in that area and you want to visit, it's definitely worth the trip. Um, you'll know you're there <laughs> yeah most definitely there's no like side road or anything it's literally just on the side of the road it's this humongous white church yeah there's a fence and then a big old tree which is that yeah black bug. like a what was it like a willow tree or something there's yeah. willow trees all over the property so we get there and we get out of the car and I want to say before we even got out of the car didn't one of us hear something or you called my name. Something happened while we were getting out of the car, and I can't remember what it you was. You started talking. I thought you were talking, and you didn't say anything. Yeah, so I was getting my camera ready, and Sam... I heard you call my name, and you didn't say nothing. <laughs> so Sam's genius self decided to break her arm the prior day at a party, <laughs> so she couldn't carry anything, so I was making sure we had everything together. And we got out, and as soon as we met back up at the front of her car, she was like, what did you say? And I was like, I didn't say anything. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. So now there were nobody. There was nobody else at this church, like anywhere. There was a few cars that drove by, but it wasn't like a heavily trafficked area. So then, like, and it wasn't just like, hey. She said that she heard me say like, hey, Sam, blah, 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 blah. So, pretty creepy. But we get out, and I wasn't exactly sure where the tomb was because I'd never been there before, obviously. And any pictures I've ever seen aren't of, like, the entire grounds. It's always just the tomb. So, we get out, and we walk down this hallway, and we, like, look in the windows of all the rooms or whatever, and... That wasn't too creepy, but then you turn around and, and it's like, like drawn to it. Yeah, and it's like bam, gravestones. Like there's no fence around the entire area. It's just like as soon as you walk off the sidewalk, there's immediately graves. So we went and just walked around looking at some of the headstones. And as I said before, I would say over half of the headstones belong to kids, like small, small kids. Um, like there was some type of plague or something yeah. that happened. And they were all around the same time period. So it was, I seen some from like 1803 all the way until like 1912. And then of course there were later ones because family members like to be buried together or whatever. So we walked through this entire graveyard and, um, it was just, it wasn't really 
creepy. It you was just like it was really old because all the metal, all the metal fragment, like all the metal bars and stuff were starting yeah, to break everything off. was rotting away. Like all the older stones were crumbling. It was just like the air was just heavy, and it wasn't creepy. It was just kind of sad. Like that's what I felt when we got there. It was just yeah. like immediate sadness our, our our moods were so excited and so happy and as soon as we step out in the car we're like yeah let's just go see this damn thing yeah it was <laughs> i don't know like i was excited to be there and i was even excited like as we were leaving but anyway we probably spent like 30 minutes walking around and that includes like the time we spent in the tomb and we took tons of pictures of course but then we see this little building that's like sitting on its own <laughs> So we walked to the front of it, and it says prayer chapel. Yeah, so the do not enter, it's locked. (laughs) Yeah, well, it wasn't locked. But so Sam goes to open the, she turns the knob, and it turns all the way, and it, like, creaks open. But what happened after that? (laughs) (laughs) It got pushed back. It got closed on me. Like, hard. Like, hard. Like, somebody was like, you're not coming to this prayer chapter (laughs) right now. Yeah, so she tried to, like, push the door open, and it should have swung freely, but, like, when it got halfway open, it it immediately... It was so heavy. Yeah, it immediately got heavy and slammed in her face, which was just crazy. So, of course, me being me, I decide to try to open the door again to see if maybe it, like, got caught on the floor or... Whatever, but as soon as I opened it, it swung all the way open. So, of course, I walked in there, and Sam followed me, and as soon as we walked in, we were both like, nope, mm-mm. we gotta get out of here. The energy was super fucking weird, was like, like... People pray in this area. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was just, like, not good energy. It just... Like, it people was, dumped their demons off inside and walked yeah, out. Yeah, it was super fucking... It was hot as fuck in there, which, again, was just weird because, the, like, outside, it was pretty cool. So, we leave there, we close the door, and then we go up to, like, the big main church, and there's this really pretty, like, spiral staircase where, like, the pulpit is or whatever, and Sam gets the genius idea to go to the door and I'm like I don't think you should open that because there's probably an alarm system and we walk around to the front and sure enough there's a big ass red sign (laughs) secure doors (laughs) alarm system ready (laughs) it says like alarm will sound and I was like "Ah, I bet you're glad you didn't do that so we go to leave this area and we get back in her car and we hear this like thump on the window and we both turn and look and there's the biggest fucking fly I've ever seen in my life. It was like yeah, the size it, of my thumb. It didn't even look like a locust. Like it looked like a big ass horse fly that was on steroids mm-hmm. or something. Like and it was all black. I've it never seen something like that. Humongous. And we have pictures of that too that I'll share. But so we left there and then we went to visit Driftwood Beach, which again, like I said, is beautiful. Like if you get the chance to go, the only definitely tricky part do that. is you can't take the shells. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> we're walking like it's probably like a half a mile walk from where you park yeah. to the beach, and it was muggy as fuck because the closer you get to the water, of course, the muggier it gets. So we're, like, walking towards the beach, and there's this big-ass sign that says, like, you cannot remove anything from the beach. No shells, no driftwood, no birds, no nothing. 
So I'm like, okay, whatever. So we get there and there's like perfectly intact shells all like over the place. Conk shells and big old shells that are like Oh, the clam shells, shells that are bigger than your yeah, hand. like humongous ones. So of course I had to take a shell home. <laughs> so I probably the go strip search you. <laughs> yeah, but if you are in that area or if you're planning to visit that area, I would definitely add that to your list. Even if you don't want to go see the tomb, I would definitely add the Driftwood Beach. It's called Botany Bay. It is so beautiful, and like the drive into it is like covered with like all of these old trees with like moss and it was just so pretty and then also we noticed that on the way there and on the way back there's this big ass boat on the side of the road just flipped upside down yeah from a storm we had the that we had to like um log in we had to Oh, yeah. Before you go to the beach, because it's a wildlife preserve, you have to, like, sign in and hang this, like, yellow thing from your um, rear view mirror. And it says that's where it tells you, again, like, you can't take the shells or birds or plants or you can't. You're not supposed to take anything. You're not supposed to take sand, water, nothing from there. So. I want to take everything. I'm a rebel. (laughs) That's a shell. But definitely visit it if you're ever in that area. Like I said, it's definitely worth it. Um, I do plan to go back maybe when it gets a little bit cooler because it was hot as fuck walking to that beach and walking back. <laughs> it was so freaking hot by the time. So many places you don't even yeah. know you sweat. From. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had planned to go try to find the plantation, but when we got back to the car, we were both like, fuck it. We're going We had just walked a whole mile and some change. Yeah. And then we went back to where we were staying to cook dinner. So on the way home, I was so freaking tired. It was just, it was an experience. That's for exercise sure. for the month. Yeah, definitely got our exercise for the month. I definitely agree. But anyway, that's about all I have for this story. So if you would like to follow me, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter at CTK Pod. You can also join my Facebook group at CTK Podcast. We do a lot of fun stuff there. Um, and you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash CTK Pod. Send me listener stories or suggestions for future topics to chillsthrillsandkills at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. So just make sure you send me any episode suggestions. I think we're going to create new series and do like a listener, a listener's choice series. So let me know if that's something you guys are interested in. But until next time, I'll see you later. Bye. Pod.